pray together. Lord in heaven, your name is great and greatly to be praised. We do desire that your name would be honored in all that we do and say and think. We pray now that you would instruct us according to this commandment that you have said is so vitally important. One of ten things that is central to your character, to who you are, and to the way in which you want your people to live. Instruct us by it so that we might please you and honor you in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, we're looking at the third commandment today, and I'll read to us from Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, but also from Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Uh, as I already told the children, the first and second commandments really deal with worship, who and how we ought to worship. And the third commandment deals with God's honor, God's reputation, you might say. I remember being in fourth grade, I think it was fourth grade, and my mother overheard me use the name of Jesus in a response to something awesome that happened, something excited that happened. And I can remember her response to me was not very favorable, and she instructed me that I was to use the name of the Lord with great respect. I listened to her, but I was thinking in my mind, what's the big deal? Maybe some of you have felt that as well. What's the big deal about the name of the Lord? Well, that's what we want to find out today as we study the third commandment. God says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And from Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, Jesus says here in the Sermon on the Mount, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Michael Horton, in one of his books, tells the illustration about when he was a uh, young boy. His father was a manager of a particular camp in the Sierra Mountains. And on one occasion, he had been disciplined by his parents for something that he did wrong. He didn't say exactly what it was, uh, but he was forbidden from using his friend's snowmobile to go riding around in the mountains. Well, one day, a man by the name of Pat, who was the uh, overseer of all the camps, came and gave a surprise inspection. And while he was there, Michael thought, this is my opportunity. And so he went and he took out the snowmobile and was gone for a couple of hours. And when he came back, his parents knew what he had done and they confronted him on it. And he said, well, Pat asked me to take the snowmobile and to go retrieve something. He didn't think that they would actually go to Pat and ask the question, did you tell our son to go use the snowmobile? And uh, later on, he realized what a foolish thing he did, and he was uh, embarrassed, not because his parents came to him, but because Pat came to him and said, why did you use my name? See, the great problem with what he did wrong was that he didn't take Pat seriously. And therefore, he didn't use his name properly. When we don't take people seriously, we don't use their names 
seriously. We stand before a judge and say, Your Honor, because He has power, He has authority, we respect Him, we take Him or her seriously. When we do not take people seriously, we dishonor their name. Those who do not take God seriously, His power, His glory, His beauty, His majesty, do not take seriously the honor of His name. You may remember from Exodus chapter 3 how God had given His personal name to His people. They had known Him by simply the name Elohim or the title Elohim, which is the Hebrew word for God. And Moses was uh, approached by the Lord at the burning bush and told to retrieve God's people out of Egypt, to lead them out. And here's what Moses said to God. If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you. I am. It's the only description, the only name that God could possibly give of himself that fully encompasses who he is. Because he's infinite. And so could he ever give a name Just like last week we learned in the second commandment that God could never give an image that fully encompasses all that He is is in His infinite character and being. God could never give a name other than saying, I am who I am to His people. It is His personal name, Yahweh. It speaks of the fact that He is self-existent, self-sufficient. He needs no one. He is who He is. And in the Hebrew culture, a name was more than simply a label. A name was actually an identification. It identified who you are, what your character was like. And so when God says, I am who I am, He's defining who He is. He says, my name is to be treated with reverence and respect. Just like David in Psalm 8 said, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. His name carries weight. And to misuse it is really to misrepresent God. It's to say that He is something that He really isn't. The commandment tells us literally, you shall not take up or literally lift up the name of the Lord your God to nothingness. It's translated vain. It means nothingness, emptiness, worthlessness, what is false. Or as one commentator says, what is unreal. In other words, we're not to attach the name of God. I am who I am. The great and awesome God with that which is worthless, empty, nothingness, vain, unreal. But Rather, we're to attach it with the glory of who He is. We should never use God's name and attach it to something that's not true of who He is. You might say that the third commandment is like a, a, a bottle of Uh, some powerful disinfectant or maybe a medicine bottle that says, use with caution. And it's as if God is saying, use my name with caution. Because I will not have it attached to anything that does not describe or define who I really am. Now, the commandment is often understood in a very shallow fashion where we don't want to use God's name in a particular slur or curse or a frivolous manner. Certainly that's true, but that's an insufficient understanding of the reality of what God is really commanding us here. And what Jesus does 
in the Sermon on the Mount towards the conclusion of it, he gives us an example of the way in which the name of God is misused so that we understand what's really central to the commandment itself. And what I want to do is use Jesus' teaching here to say three things. The first is this. The use of a name is an exercise in power. The use of a name is an exercise in power. Jesus describes these people and he says, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? They were using his name to say, I have his authority, his power. They were using his name as an exercise in power. We know what this is like, right? You use someone's name to get a table. You might use someone's name to get a job. Someone that you know has connections with an employer. And you use their name because their name means something to the employer. Or maybe to get a deal on a car. Maybe to use your doctor's name to get out of going to work or school. We all name drop. And when we do it, we're seeking to transfer something of that person to us. Something of their power and authority. Something of their character quality. Something of their credibility to us. We even do it in religious circles, don't we? We name drop of famous Christians that we might know or have contact with. Gives us a power of credibility. Makes us credible in other people's eyes. Well, well, if he knows that person or she knows that person, well, that must say a lot about them. It's not all bad. Jesus told his disciples to go and get a donkey, right? And if someone gives you trouble over it, tell them the Lord needs it. But when we use a name, it comes with power. Naming something itself is a power, isn't it? We name our children. Adam named the animals. It's an exercise in power. Using a name or uh, another name gives us some kind of power that we can have with them. And the right use of a name is a right use of power. Jesus came in the name of the Father. He came with the Father's authority, with the Father's power. We likewise, as His people, are sent out in the name of Jesus with His authority and with His power. The use of a name is an exercise in power. And so the abuse of a name is an abuse of that power. That's why our country has defamation laws. I was looking this up earlier online and trying to figure out exactly what all takes place and what all you have to prove in terms of a defamation case. And it is quite difficult to prove, it seems that way. But we all want to protect our reputations and protect our names. And so there are laws put in place to do just that. Surely God would want to do the same thing, to put a law in effect that protects and guards the right use of His name. And so to use God's name is to recognize that we as His people have been entrusted with a great power, haven't we? We've been given the name, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the right use of His name opens the doors of heaven. Opens the gates of paradise. The right use of the name of Jesus Christ gets us into the eternal treasures of glory. And so the right use of His name comes with great power. And yet the abuse of His name is just the opposite. 
It brings dishonor to who he is. It's a power we need to respect. It's serious. Because when we use a name, our name is bound up with that person. Our reputation is bound up with that person's reputation. Our honor, our character is all bound up with them. And you can think of it this way. God has bound up His name with each and every one of His children so that His honor is tied to our honor. His reputation is tied to our reputation. His character is tied to our character. God is taking a great risk by binding up His name with our name. And not everyone uses his name rightly. That's exactly what's taking place in Jesus' little example here in the Sermon on the Mount. And there's another example of this in Acts chapter 19 where we're told that God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. So... Through the Apostle Paul, great signs and wonders are being done. People are being healed. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I recognized, but who are you? Talk about looking down the loaded uh, barrel that is pointed at you. Here are these spirits, these evil spirits, and they're calling out, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and mastered all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. They were trying to use the name of Jesus like as this lucky rabbit's foot. And if I can use this name and have the power and authority of the name, literally abuse the name for my own selfish gain, then I will have a great reputation as well. And yet what happens in the end is that the Lord brings judgment upon them. The very thing that we see in this commandment. And it leads us to the second thing. So the Use of a name is an exercise in power, but secondly this, the misuse of God's name is a serious offense. Exodus chapter 20 verse 7 says, The Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. God will not hold guiltless the one who takes his name in vain or attaches it to that what is worthless, empty, false, unreal. And Jesus is taking up this same theme in Matthew 7 and saying, I'm just as serious about the name of God. We're told here in Matthew chapter 7, the sobering example of those who are trying to use Jesus' name to enter into heaven. He tells us, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. They're trying to use Jesus' name to tap into His power and have access into heaven, into the gates of paradise. And yet there's something missing here. Verse 23 tells us clearly, Jesus says, I never knew you. He didn't know them. They were not part of His family. They had not truly been given His name, and yet they're using it, misusing it. And so He calls them workers of lawlessness. In other words, they've professed 
faith in Christ, but they don't have the reality of a genuine faith in Jesus Christ. The New Testament warns of this over and over. In Titus chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says, they profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. In other words, by their fruit, they are proven to be non-Christians, non-believers who would use the name of God for their own glory. And so they've tried to attach the name of Jesus to that which is false, worthless, empty, unreal. And you might say the most dangerous use, most dangerous transgression of the third commandment is to attach the glory of God's name to those who would proclaim faith in Him when their faith is false. Now we, we say we don't want to use God's name flippantly. And that's true. But the far greater transgression is that we would use God's name when the reality of genuine living faith is not present in us when we're not really children of God, when there's a hypocrisy that resides deep down inside of us. In other words, false spirituality cannot be put with the true God. He is a God of integrity, not of hypocrisy. This goes way beyond curse words or anything of that nature. But it gets to the heart of what true spirituality is all about. If our profession of faith in Jesus and our conduct do not match up, then we are attaching God's name to that which is false. And Jesus shows us here what this hypocrisy looks like in these people. He says spiritual hypocrisy can be orthodox. It can be true in terms of its theology. They call Jesus Lord here. And this word Lord, kurios, in Greek can simply mean master, but it goes beyond that because the context in verse 22 is on that day. That's the day of judgment. And so they see Jesus in His glory and they're calling Him Lord, Lord. They recognize He is the Lord of the entire universe. What they know about Jesus is that He is the Lord and Master. And so their beliefs are right. They're orthodox. Not only that, but spiritual hypocrisy can be zealous. They say, Lord, Lord. It's a way of emphasis. We use all caps or exclamation points in emails. Some people use lots of exclamation points. You feel like they're shouting at you the whole time. They use a way of exclamation is doubling double the name Jesus said Martha Martha you're anxious and worried about so many things and here they say Lord Lord there's religious zeal it might even be a zeal that's intimidating to other people they look so passionate they look so zealous for God they're doing all these mighty works and yet there's nothing real about it and then finally spiritual hypocrisy can be very active we're told here they prophesy, they cast out demons, they do, do mighty works in His name. Lots of religious stuff, lots of mighty deeds, but they don't know Jesus. Their lives are not filled with the good fruit that He is looking for. The context of this, if we back up a little bit further, is verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. 
In other words, they might do these religious deeds. They can look great at church. Then they go home and their lives are in shambles. Very opposite of what they portray to the world. And what Jesus is saying here is you can be all of these things and yet not have genuine living faith in me. And it's as we understand the great power granted to us by God to use his name, we can see why Jesus would take great offense at those who will not use his name well. Let's say that hypocrisy is not limited to simply those who are non-Christians who would say that they're very religious and even call themselves Christians. It's part of our nature. We still struggle with sin as Christians. It's not as though once we reach the point of conversion then the rest of our life is perfection. No, we continue to struggle. So hypocrisy is part of the Christian life. That what we say we believe and the way in which we live are two different things at points. So the struggle here is one that we all know. Let me mention a few ways that the Bible says that God's people misuse His name. Some by the way they speak and some by the way we act. One is simply to swear falsely. In the book of Leviticus chapter 19, God says very clearly, you shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. To swear falsely is basically in those days to use God's name as testimony to your own credibility. I swear in the name of the Lord, they would say. And because I invoke the name of God, you can trust me because I'm using His character to back me. Now, we don't often do that in our day, but we do make promises. And God says the real issue is are you being a person of integrity so that you live out the very thing that you say you will do? Do we let our yes be yes and our no be no? And so swearing falsely is a way in which we might transgress this commandment. Secondly, distorting his character. Leviticus chapter 20. God says, say to the people of Israel, any one of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who gives any of his children to Molech, that's in child sacrifice, shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I myself will set my face against that man and will cut him off from among his people because he has given one of his children to Molech to make my sanctuary unclean and to profane my holy name. You see, what's taking place there is they're bringing a false God into the sanctuary. And not only that, but they're bringing child sacrifice into God's sanctuary. What he's saying is it profanes my name because it says something about me that's not true. What it says is that I'm a disgusting God. And so what God is saying here is that we ought not distort his character by the way in which we live. If we attach our sin to his name, we're distorting his character. And then finally, this false prophecy, Jeremiah 14, 14, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name, God says. In other words, they've hijacked the voice of God. And they're claiming to speak for God when God has not spoken. 
People do this all the time. The Lord has told me. The Lord has said me. The Lord has led me. Sometimes we use his name to validate our views on things. It's really a way of using his name for false prophecy. And all this, Jesus says, the misuse of my holy name will not be tolerated. The last point is this. The proper use of God's name is a privilege. The proper use of God's name is a privilege. To be a Christian is to have the name of God called over you. The Old Testament says over and again, my people are called by my name. When you were baptized, you were called by the name Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In James chapter 2, Jesus says we've been called by the honorable name of Jesus. We who are spiritual orphans have been given the honorable, the noble name of Jesus Christ. It's a great privilege to be called by His name. What Jesus implies in this passage is really using it as a foil to say, here's what the true child is like who uses my name well. First of all, they know God's Son. Verse 23 says, depart from me. Why? Because I never knew you. They know God's Son. The true child who uses His name rightly knows the Son of God. His faith is genuine. He has a personal knowledge of Jesus. In other words, we've received Jesus as He is. He is Lord. He is Savior. And I confess my utter dependence upon His grace in order to have a relationship with Him. And it's only when, my, when I'm able to confess rightly that I totally am dependent upon His grace that I'm able to rightly take His name. Because if I say there's any part of me that's righteous, any part of me that is worthy of God, and I've spit in the face of Jesus Christ and of His cross, and I haven't taken His name rightly. Secondly, they submit to God's will. Verse 21 tells us, it's the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's the person who's going to enter into the kingdom. In other words, he takes the name of the king and he submits to the king's ways. We no longer do good religious deeds to cover up the areas of our lives in which we do not want to submit to Jesus. But rather we say, Lord, I will submit to you in any way you call me to. Sometimes we serve in ways that please us, but we struggle to forgive our enemy. We struggle to show generosity to people. In other words, there's always ways and areas of our lives that we uh, struggle to submit to God's will. And then finally this, they use God's name rightly. Verse 22 says, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name? In other words, they're using Jesus' name, but they're not using it rightly. But the true child of God uses his name rightly. And the scriptures give us a number of ways in which we can use God's names rightly. Number one is simply to believe in him. All those who believe in his name, he gives the right to be called children of God, John says. We are to believe in the name of Jesus. And God gives a variety of different names for himself that describe his character throughout the scriptures. He is the Lord Almighty. He is the Lord who will provide. He is the Lord who heals. He is the Lord of peace. We are to believe in Jesus and recognize Jesus is the object of our faith and He is the one who possesses all these names. 
so that when I am struggling, I call upon the Lord of peace. I truly believe that He is the Lord of peace who grants peace to me. We are to ask things in His name. Jesus said we're to ask of the Father in My name and I will give it to you. In other words, to trust in the power of His grace. We don't ask because of our own righteousness. We don't ask because of our own merit. We don't hope and plead that God will give us something because of something righteous in us. We ask in the name of the Lord Jesus. We trust that His cross is powerful. He grants us what we ask when we ask it in line with His will. He tells us to praise His name. He tells us to glorify His name. In other words, what we're saying here is that we want the reality of who we are and the reality of God's name to match up together as close as possible. That should be the desire of the child of God. I remember talking with a quadriplegic college student a number of years ago was doing campus ministry. He wasn't a Christian. He had a very positive attitude and a uniquely positive attitude for his station in life, you might say. And I had lunch with him one day and we began to talk and I asked him why he was so positive and he shared his story with me. He was actually an orphan. He had been uh, orphaned by his parents. He did not know who they were. His pleasant his uh, uh, experience in the orphanage was not always a pleasant one, especially for a quadriplegic child. At some point, a couple came along and adopted him. And what he told me was, not many people will adopt a quadriplegic boy my age and take on all the responsibilities that go along with that. And one went on to say. I want everything about my life to bring honor to the people who are willing to love me that way. That's why I'm so positive. And the child of God looks at God the same way. The one who has adopted me by His grace. The one who has paid for me with the blood of His own Son. That's the one that I want to honor. And I want the reality of my life and my profession match up with the truth of who my Savior is. Friends, that's what the commandment. You shall, um, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain is all about. Let's pray. O Lord our God, Your name is great and greatly to be praised. And we ask that our lives, we ask that our words, we ask that our commitments, we ask that the affections of our hearts, we ask that everything about us would bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.